As the world heads into uncharted territory, business leaders are seeking perspective. The What Now, What Next podcast series features KPMG advisors addressing the issues that are of most concern now and in the near future. Today, we're so pleased to welcome Sanjay Sagal and Scott Rankin to our show. Would the two of you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Sanjay, let's start with you. Oh, thanks, Stacey, so much for that. Sanjay Siegel, I'm here from Cleveland, Ohio, and a partner here who's focused on consumer and retail and helping companies drive finance improvements in that space. I'm Scott Rankin. I am the consumer and retail strategy lead for KPMG. I'm based in Boston, and I'm currently sitting in my home about 25 miles southwest of the city. I've spent my entire career in and around the consumer and retail space and have seen a lot of really exciting companies come up, and I've seen a lot of challenges in the industry. And in the coming weeks and months and years, we are really excited to help our clients think through a lot of different things that are happening in the industry. As we're seeing years and years of activity actually get compressed into weeks and months. So a lot of work to do in the space in which we operate. Wonderful. Thanks so much for making time to sit down and talk with us today. So predicting where the business is headed has seldom been more challenging or more important. With COVID-19, we're witnessing an environment that is continually dynamic. And its impact on prioritizing and planning for the future is affecting both businesses and consumers alike. As retail and restaurants have reopened following shutdowns, accurate forecasts on how demand will be impacted are needed so that organizations can answer questions like which customers will return and what is the volume? What channels will they adopt? And how do I staff stores and restaurants? And even what could the impact of a second shutdown be? As we kick off our conversation today, Scott, can you give us an overview of the purpose that forecasting serves? And then I'd like to loop Sanjay in to address forecasting as it relates to finance specifically. Absolutely. Thanks, Stacey. At its most fundamental level, forecasting is really about how best to serve customers. More specifically, what are they buying? Where are they buying it? Whether it's in-store and or online, or in some cases through delivery, drive-through, curbside pickup, and how much they're buying and how that's changing over time. And once you can address those key topics, a lot of other things flow from that. For example, how should you staff stores in terms of associates and hours and managers? When can you turn supply chains back on? And how you should think about bringing inventory into different distribution centers and stores? And when you can reactivate marketing and start to acquire new customers incentivize them to come in, provide them with different discounts and promotions to make them more loyal to your brand. And all of that information then in turn is used to drive a set of financial forecasts. And I'll turn it over to Sanjay to talk about the implications of the inputs that he typically uses to help clients go through the forecasting process. Well, and I think, Scott, all your points are very valid because those are key inputs essentially to a financial forecast. And if putting a finance hat on, our job as finance professionals is to provide a reliable forecast of the business, both a revenue forecast, a cost forecast, and frankly, even a cash flow forecast. And so 
during this last X number of weeks that we've been involved in, forecasting has become more and more important because whether we have to think about our shareholders and dividends we're paying or what we have to pay down debt, et cetera. And so taking all the inputs that you've got you're focused in on, drive heavily right into finance so that we can then get a more accurate picture and view of how the health of our financials look like to serve our shareholders. Sanjay, let's stick with you for just a moment. I would imagine that there are some common challenges to forecasting. Can you talk to us about what some of those might be? Yeah, I mean, there are so many different challenges that historically we've experienced in finance around forecasting, right? I mean, at the highest level, we get a lot of our clients and customers that have said over and over that forecasts take too long to develop. We have a lot of manual activities that take us all the time in the month to pull together the forecast with very little time for us to actually analyze the forecast, right? And so the challenges that we're starting to see companies face now, because everything's moved faster, because there is a day-to-day, hour-to-hour changes, we can even see in the news in cities on lockdowns, those forecasts need to be updated constantly. In fact, I was on with a large retailer yesterday, and I think finance in the last two weeks had done 71 different individual forecasts, which is a lot of data and a lot of information to pull together on a consistent basis using brute force, finance professionals, sales professionals, Excel models, et cetera, to get to an answer. And so this is, I think, the crux of what we see going forward is these challenges are only going to accelerate because we're going to continue to see different conditions evolve in the marketplace, and we need to be able to address it and get to forecast much faster. If I think about forecasting from the demand side, it's really all about predictability. So If you think about from a historical perspective, in retail, and where Sanjay and I spend the vast majority of our time, even though over the past several years there's been a dramatic mix shift from physical to digital, it's been a slow and steady progression. And you could, with a pretty large degree of certainty, figure out how your demand was going to change over time And you could then figure out the implications of that change. But what's happened over the past several weeks and months, as Sanjay just mentioned, is that predictability has literally gone out of the window. So depending upon where you are, what particular sector of retail you're in, what products you sell, the ability to forecast accurately what you think is going to happen, as Sanjay just said, changes literally by the hour or by the day. And one of the things that we started to do a lot with clients is use multiple different data sets from a lot of different sources to help them bring increased predictability into this environment that's really hard to navigate. And retailers talk a lot about visibility, and they wanted to be able to understand the next couple of weeks or quarters to plan for their business. And what we can do with a lot of these data sets is help increase the precision of their forecasts in an unbelievably challenging environment to try to predict. So that's what we're spending a lot of time on now. In an ordinary year, I would imagine that there are many external factors and data points that can be factored into forecasts, but there are some variables at this point in time that did not exist at the start of the year and now are indispensable. 
So I'm interested in you speaking to some of the COVID-19 specific metal inputs that are impacting forecasting. Sanjay, could you tackle that for us? We think of redoing the way we forecast. I think there's two points that are really relevant. One is what you just described. How do we leverage a lot of the external signals that exist in the marketplace? Bring that together with what we're recommending is leveraging machine learning slash artificial intelligence, taking AI capabilities and combining those two together to develop what I would call meaningful data and insights. So that's kind of the trend, I think the overarching trend we're starting to see because historically most companies have focused on internal data with some external data. And what we're starting to see now is take a lot of that external data, combine it with artificial intelligence and create these models and these forecasts that are actually much more accurate. When you talk about you know these new signals and things that we probably didn't have, or we might've had, but we probably didn't consider them as much. You know, we're modeling post-COVID environment, we're modeling things like shutdowns of cities. We have started to take cell phone data, which we've had for years, started to see cell phone traffic. Combine that data with take something like restaurant bookings. And so when you start to combine some of these external signals, you start to find relationships that would actually impact revenue. We've taken data like hospitals or ICU, we actually started to figure out pre-modeling some of that information into perhaps what the impact might be for a specific region across a country. What we're finding almost every day is there are many signals that we're seeing, and it's taking those signals and somehow putting a correlation of those signals to perhaps the financial data or the, the data that would actually impact revenue. How do we find and form those correlations to then really ultimately drive value for our forecasts? Yeah, and maybe I just add, so we tend to think about data in three buckets. So there's an external bucket of market data. So a lot of the things that Sanjay just mentioned, so things like income levels, employment, COVID case rates, COVID recovery rates, school openings and closings, government stay-at-home orders, all of those vary by zip, by census block, and we have access to all those data sets. That's one big segment. The next big segment is consumer behavior data. So from a consumer behavior perspective, there are three big things that we look at. One is where people go. So that's the cell phone data traffic that Sanjay was talking about. The second is what websites people go to. So we have access to different tools and analytics around is website traffic for specific sites going up or down and how does that compare and do people spend more time, less time, et cetera, on specific sites. And the last thing is spend data. Are people spending more or less money in certain retailers, in certain geographies across specific categories? The combination of those things gives us a really good and comprehensive view of consumer behavior and how that's showing up in the marketplace. And the last thing we do is we take the market data and the consumer data and we append it to clients' internal sales data. So we help them understand and correlate all of the different things that we're seeing outside of their four walls and translating into how that's impacting their sales across retail, online, categories, mix, et cetera. So the power is really in bringing together these three different areas of data, the market, consumer, and internal data to drive that higher probability of being able to predict what demand is going to look like, which then again enables you to filter that through the things you need to turn on and your financial forecasts and dividends and commitments to Wall Street, et cetera. 
Scott, I've heard you and Sanjay talk about the concept of a forecasting engine. Can you talk our listeners through that? And then could you describe some of the analytics that a forecasting engine might provide in the form of a dashboard? Sure, absolutely. A forecasting engine largely does what I described around ingesting large sets of data around three big groups, around what's happening in local markets, what's happening from a consumer perspective, and then how that impacts specific sales of a client organization. And essentially what we do is we ingest all of that data on a daily basis, and we run a series of analytic procedures, often using machine learning, as Sanjay just mentioned, to try to get as much confidence as we can in the outputs. And I mean confidence in the statistical sense, or the highest R squares that we can, to get predictive attributes that we can then use to forecast specific demand at very granular detailed level. Scott, I'm always curious to know if there are any real life examples you can provide to our listeners of how recent COVID-19 forecasting has impacted a business. We work with a lot of restaurant and QSR clients. QSR is a quick service restaurant. So think restaurants where you would go in and get a relatively inexpensive meal. So what happened was, over the course of the past four months, effectively, many of those restaurants stayed open because they were able to stay open because they had alternatives to dining in the restaurant. And what happened was, very quickly, as stay-at-home orders started and people were getting very nervous about COVID and everything that was happened, they quickly shifted to either drive-through or delivery. And if you are the owner of a QSR chain or a franchisee of a concept, there are fairly dramatic sales and profitability differences based on how consumers engage with you and how they buy. What we've done with QSR clients is we have helped them understand based on literally the trade area around their individual restaurants and the characteristics of that trade area. So things like income levels, employment status, COVID case rates, government subsidy checks, et cetera. We've taken that data along with data we have around things like are consumers moving more or less frequently from their home? What restaurants are they frequenting? We combine that with the actual sales that clients are seeing in those markets to basically build stamps of what every single one of their locations looks like across the country and how they should think about sales on a couple of different levels. One is how they should think about sales overall for each of those locations and how sales are going to either go up or come down based on things that are happening in the local market. And then the second thing, and this is probably even more important, is how these QSRs should think about the sales mix of the number of customers that will be dining in, the number of customers that will be going through drive through and the number of customers that will be requesting delivery. Because what we have found in most cases with clients in this particular sector is that the average ticket size, what they buy, and the cost to serve, so think about delivery, for example, in many cases is either free or it's a small charge. So obviously there's much higher cost to serve, so the profitability of an order is much lower. So we've been able to help a lot of QSR clients really think through overall what their business is going to look like across the country 
in how the profitability and the shape of profitability is going to change based on how people interact with them. So that's how we use a lot of our data in a more practical sense to help give clients answers to key questions that then help them better forecast the overall business and do a lot of things they need to do to run and operate their business. The point here is that there's an immense amount of data that exists out in the marketplace. How you harness that data, leverage unique and interesting tools like artificial intelligence to bring that together to create some of these insights, I think are critical for us and going forward will be an absolute integral part of the way we plan forecasts across organizations. Sanjay and Scott, thank you both for making time to join us today. I know the two of you have logged a lot of time listening to and advising clients during this time. And I'm grateful for the insight you've provided for our broader audience. And to our listeners, we'll look forward to bringing you other insights from our KPMG advisors in the next edition of What Now, What Next? In the meantime, you can check out the other podcasts in our series at visit.kpmg.us slash COVID-19. Thank you.